listening to the OKest Fisher Podcast, part of the OKest Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. All right, guys, welcome back to the OKest Fisher Podcast. Don't be alarmed. Uh, Greg is taking the week off this week, and you got just me. So we're going to have a pretty interesting conversation, but it'll be uh, one-sided. Um, Greg will be back next week for the next podcast, but I don't want to talk too much because we have a pretty cool guest on the line. Um, yeah, we're just going to bring him in here. Uh, this is Mike Malaszewski. How's it going today, Mike? It's going good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing good. A little different. I'm solo at the helm, and uh, yeah, let's hopefully we don't screw it up too bad. Nah, we won't screw it up. We've been <laughs> friends for long enough. It's fine. We have. It'll be just like a normal conversation. Yep. So I saw on uh, Facebook that you happened to catch a giant opening day. Um, yes, sir. Just to preface, we are we are talking muskies with Mike. Sounds like a catchy little title there. Um, me and Mike grew up musky fishing, basically. I mean, fishing everything we could. Um, so we had him on here to start talking some musky stuff, and he had a great success uh, this past opening weekend here in Wisconsin. So, yeah, let's let's hear it, man. All right. So um, I'll give you the rundown on the, on the whole weekend a little bit. So <clears throat> opening day, we got up. Real early, I was out on the road by about five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I had a little bit of a, a plan in place for what I was going to do, um, but everything is always subject to change with musky fishing. You know, you got to be willing and ready to to be on the run, to go out there and find them, try a few different tactics, especially during opening day. Uh, it's really hard to pinpoint where the fish are going to be. You have a general conception of where they would be. Um, but what I did was I started my morning by actually hiking a small tributary river. Um, I went out for about three, four hours, first, first light in the morning, uh, fished. This river saw a couple of post-spawn males, smaller fish, probably in the mid thirties range that were pretty beat up, pretty scarred from the spawn. Uh, they were pretty lethargic. One fish tried to eat, the other just happened to be one that I saw as I was hiking the river. All in all though, they were not very active. Caught a couple of decent pike, but the muskies just weren't having it. Uh, I had told my boat with me knowing that I was going to potentially try some different things throughout the course of the day. Uh, went to a lake from the river a uh, lake that you and i have actually fished together in the past uh went there moved a couple of fish wasn't getting anything too active pretty lethargic again and um i was out there again for maybe another two three hours uh fish weren't having it but going into the weekend i had talked to my friend mike keys and him and I were fishing pretty close within the same area, probably about 10, 15 minutes apart from each other. And we decided we were going to kind of, you know, work with each other and correspond with each other throughout the course of the opener. Um, 
sent Mike a text. I said, are you guys moving anything? He happened to be out with Sean Josephson and Ryan Knapp, uh, Keys Outdoors guys. And they had caught a, uh, about a 40-inch fish really early in the morning. And they had seen a couple of fish. And Mike said, hey, come on over. We've seen a, we seen a freaking giant, dude. Come on over. Um, we're fishing this bay. There's a boat launch nearby. Uh, let's try and tag team this, see if we can figure something out. So, again, third change for the day. Got the boat back on the trailer, boogied over to the next lake. Got the boat in the water, met up with Mike. Uh, at that point, the fish just weren't having it. We weren't seeing anything. Nothing was happening. We were fishing a backwater slough. We felt pretty confident that fish were going to be in that slough. And that's where Sean had caught a fish earlier in the morning. Um, now, knowing that the fish are post-spawn, it's likely that the fish are going to be corresponding to shallower water. A uh, few degree temperature difference makes a world of difference, especially early in the season. We had water temperatures in the main lake that were about 52, 53 degrees. And when we got into those sloughs, it was about a four or five degree difference in water temperature. So we were looking at temperatures around 57, 58 degrees, and we knew those fish were going to be in there. It's a, it's a tributary river that flows into the lake. And if we know anything about muskies, they migrate through tributaries. And we knew those fish were going to be moving from that spawning ground out to the main lake basin. So we got on to that bay, that backwater slough, fished it for a while wasn't having any luck things kind of went dead for a bit mike said hey i'm gonna go try this uh this area on the complete opposite end of the lake i said i'm gonna stick around in the slough for a little bit and then i'm gonna go try a different uh little tributary on the other side of the lake relatively closer than where mike was going um fished that other tributary for a while didn't see anything wasn't having any luck starting to lose faith um it was pretty tough. It's clear water lake. You know, clear water can be kind of disheartening at times because you can see everything. And my personal preference is to kind of fish dirtier water just because there's always that possibility that there's a fish. But when you're not physically seeing anything, it's hard to stay motivated to keep fishing that same spot. So what I did was I fished that bay for a while. Mike ended up uh, cruising back over. We kind of talked again for a little bit. And I said, Mike, I'm going to go back over to that slough. I have a good feeling. We're, we're just at the tail end of the major. I'm going to go back over to that slough, give it another shot. Uh, I'll catch up with you in a little while, let you know what I see or what I don't see. Keep me posted. Uh, head back over to that slough. It was about a 10-minute boat ride over to that slough. Got in there. First, like, five, ten casts. Uh, I was throwing a dive and rise jerk bait. And just working this uh, this area where the river kind of funnels into the lake. And the wind was kind of forcing that funnel. So in my mind, I was thinking, well, if there's going to be a fish, it's going to be where the current is forcing the bait at the moment. Uh, I started fishing that. Like I said, 510 pass into that. Boom. Giant. And, I mean, this thing took me for a ride. Um, it, it fought like hell. And again, the, the the wind was blowing into the shoreline. 
Boat control was chaotic. I'm by myself. I uh, pretty much got thrown into the rocks, bouncing off of stuff. It was nuts. Um, got to fish in the net. And thank God where I was fishing was actually an area where a lot of guys can pull over to the side of the road and kind of fish from shore. Well, there just so happened to be a shore fisherman right in, right in front of me when I caught this fish. And he's cheering me on the whole time. He, he was just as excited as I was. <laughs> and, uh, and so the winds blow me into the shore and I'm pretty much just drifting into this guy's line. And he, you know, he was cool. He was like, he's like, oh my God, musky, musky, musky. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I'm losing it right now. Like this is the first fish of the year and it's a giant. Like it's been a good six months since I've even felt this. Like I, my anxiety is through the roof. Well, long story short, finally get the fish in the net. And this guy was nice enough to, I threw him my anchor and my, my anchor rope. And he just pulled my boat up onto the, onto the shore. And he was nice enough to take a couple pictures of the fish for me. Otherwise it's really tough. I don't, I don't run a big fancy rig. I don't have a lot of camera equipment or things like that. So it was, it was really nice to have somebody just take a couple of quick pictures for me. Uh, give me, give me the fist bump and he cheered me on and I cheered him on. It was, you know, um, fishing speaks many languages and it's something that we can all enjoy even with a perfect stranger in an awesome moment. Like I was about ready to give this guy a hug and I never met him in my life. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we, we did the fist bump. He was pumped up about it. I was pumped up about it. Um, drifted back out in the bay, called Mike. I said, Mike, you guys might want to come back over here, dude. Like, I, I just stuck a, a giant. He's like, really, really? I'm like, yeah, man, come on back over here. You guys, you guys got to boogie over. Not five minutes later, Mike's back over there. And <laughs> him and Sean and Ryan are fishing just opposite of me, maybe 30, 40 yards away. And in that moment, I get to see Ryan catch a 43. And oh, they're man. all jacked. They're all jacked up. I'm all jacked up. You know, we're we're having. It, there was a a window of opportunity that opened for about 15 minutes, where I caught that 47. Ryan caught a 43. Mike lost a nice fish. I moved another nice fish, and it was just like boom, 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 boom. Like run and gone. Let's see what we can get. This window is not going to last forever. We'll see what happens. Um, Things went quiet for a bit there. And then about an hour later, Ryan caught another fish, uh, probably mid thirties. So all in all, I got to witness their two fish caught, plus Sean caught one in the morning and then I caught one. So we're talking about four fish on opening day already. I'm like, holy cow, you know, this is a freaking awesome weekend. We're <laughs> off to a really, we're off to a really good start here. Um, and then the next morning, um, I ended up fishing a different body of water, meeting up with my buddy, Dan, doing some, some hiking on some rivers, again, checking out some tributaries, knowing that the fish kind of correlate with warmer water temperatures and they're likely gonna be post-spawn moving in and out of those tributaries. And then my buddy, Dan catches a 46 on a little wake bait, uh, his own bait that he made himself. So that's even cooler. Uh, so opening weekend 47 i got to catch i got to see a couple other fish caught and then i got to net 
my buddy's 46 all within two days of fishing opener so i'd say that's a pretty damn good opener on top of that we caught a couple of nice pike and seen a couple other muskies had a couple fowls lost a couple fish so i'd say for 2023 we're off to a pretty damn good start yeah i'd say i don't even know where you go from there i mean that's like that's like the <laughs> highlight of the season and it was the first weekend <clears throat> right right <laughs> so now uh you know i've been working like a dog to get stuff done at work and this weekend back at it we're, we're gonna see what happens this weekend i have a couple other little small tiny tributary lakes and rivers that i'm gonna give a shot at uh somebody's water i've caught fish in the past on uh where i said at the time first time i ever fished him i said man i can't wait to hit this in the spring i have a good feeling about this so i've got a couple bodies of water up my sleeve uh going into this weekend so we'll see what happens this weekend no that's awesome um i gotta i gotta break down some of that story though <clears throat> you touched yeah. on so many cool things that i think deserve attention and i gotta start out by saying you are open to change you came out there with you know hiking boots with waders with your boat you were trying to find the fish with no intel prior to it like just just walk me through that what are you actually looking for early season for muskie because they're hard hard enough fish to catch all year round but how do you find them in the spring when the weeds aren't there water temps are low you know they're not putting the feed bags on for fall what are you what are you looking for you don't have to give away bodies of water but certain aspects you're you're kind of looking for all right so you know what i'm looking for is anywhere that there's a tributary now every lake typically has some sort of tributary going in or out of that body of water whether it's a, a a trickle creek or it's a legitimate river the fish are going to correlate to those bodies of water because that's where the fish typically spawn they move up rivers to spawn and then they move back into the main lake basins so this time of the year, what I recommend to people is to get on Google Earth. If you know that there's a body of water that typically holds muskies, get on Google Earth and look for any sort of tributary, any creek, heck, even a, a farmer's drain tiling. I mean, any sort of current that's going to come into that body of water is going to hold muskies and you could probably say the same thing about a lot of other species as well um, especially river fishing if you if you find a tributary and you have an eddy you you likely know that fish are going to be at that mouth where that eddy is uh, that goes for lakes that goes for rivers that goes for just about any body of water whether you're looking for smallmouth or you're looking for pike or you're looking for heck walleyes whatever a lot of those fish correlate to that mouth where that current's coming in because not only is it good spawning grounds it's also a good area for those fish to ambush prey that's coming in out of those tributaries so a lot of these things that that i do and a lot of us other muskie guys are doing are all tactics that we learned fishing for other species all tactics that we learned just by following our maps and understanding our tributaries and understanding that 
fish migrate and they're going to move up or down tributaries. They're not always going to be in the main lake basin. Um, as you progress into the year, the fish become in, they, they become more likely to be in predictable patterns where you could by let's say June, water temperatures kind of start to stabilize and the tactics become more predictable. You can move into those, those breaks and those lakes, those weed edges, those those drop-offs, those rock edges, things like that, then you're typically going to find fish in those areas. Spring is kind of a wash sometimes. It also is all dependent on what the winter was prior. You know, this past winter, we got a fair amount of snow. We had a lot of rain leading up to the opener. A lot of our rivers and tributaries and things like that were much higher than usual. So that gave fish an opportunity to get up into bodies of water and the tributaries that maybe in years past they couldn't have gotten to. So you always have to keep an open mind. Like you said, and what you touched on about me going out there with waders and fishing the rivers and having alternative plans. That's something that all of us as anglers should have our alternative plans. You know, they might not be where you expected them to be, but you can only kick a dead horse so many times before you're like, all right, we have to make a move. We have to try something different, maybe a different tactic, a different body of water, uh, whatever the case may be. But you have to be receptive to change. You have to be able to you know, move on the fly and understand that fish aren't always going to be where you think they're going to be. So my advice to people and touching on your question is be open, be receptive, do your research and just go out there and explore. You can always learn something new by failing. Don't be afraid to fail. Failure is always an option when it comes <laughs> to musky fishing. I mean, all of us as musky fishermen, even the best of us are okayest fishermen, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a definition of musky fishing, just because there's such a complicated yeah. fish to figure out. It really is. It really is. And, you know, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. Maybe I just love the challenge of it. But you know what? Once you catch one, and I know you know this as well, once you catch one, it's almost one and done. You're like, oh, God, now I understand. I get it. You know, mm -hmm. but if you're a guy that's never caught a muskie and never tried it, and you're just like, whatever, man, I'm going to go out and just hammer walleyes today. I don't blame you whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> muskie fishing isn't easy. And if you are in the business of just going out and catching fish, musky fishing might not be the thing for you because you have to expect to fail. I always say, go out there and expect to fail. And when you don't, be happy you didn't because that makes for a hell of a good day if you didn't fail musky fishing. So always be willing to change. Always be willing to go out there, try something different and keep an open mind. You know, us musky guys, we all got a couple screws loose. And we support each other and help each other out. You know, I always say, if you want to get in the game of musky fishing, be prepared to fail because it's it's not always easy. And there's days that are lights out and you catch a bunch of fish and you just embrace those days and you have a good time. But just know that those days don't always happen. So it, yeah, they rare they rare yep they rarely happen. Let's be honest. I mean, <clears throat> unless you're rarely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of days where you see a lot of fish and I'm happy seeing fish. Like if I see a fish, bam, I'm good. If I catch one, it's just icing on the cake. You know, it's, 
But I, I will agree. say, <clears throat> me and you went through this when we first started musky fishing together. We would have a couple of musky rods in the boat. We'd have like some bass rods and we would get sick of fishing for musky or just couldn't figure it out. We would pull the bass rods up, you know, get the confidence back, catch fish. If you want to learn to be a musky fisherman, only bring musky stuff. I, I yep. Once we started doing that, I noticed we were a lot more successful because it, it takes it out of your head that I'm not going to, I have to catch a musky. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to teach myself, you know, get some confidence in some lures and, I think that's a good technique that everybody should have. And I learned it from you, basically. I mean, that's how we started. Yeah, you absolutely have to stay focused. It's easy to lose focus on it and to want to just catch something for the sake of catching something. But when it comes to musky fishing, you never know when that window of opportunity is going to open. So in that moment where you have your moment of weakness, let's say, and you're you're like, screw it, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try bass fishing for a little bit. That might have been the same window of opportunity that the muskies were eating. You just never know sometimes. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, in, in our early days of muskie fishing, it was kind of training ourselves to be more receptive of failure and just go out there and just keep pounding it and working and grinding. And like you said, once you focus on one thing and one thing only, you will have much more success. It's easy to get distracted, but just stay focused. And when it happens, you're going to be thankful that you didn't throw that bass rod or start jigging for walleyes or whatever the hell you're going to do. Just stay focused and always be prepared and always figure eight. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to bring that up because once you got just musky rods in your boat, your lack of focus instead of throwing for bass is getting lackadaisical on a figure eight. And that's the time you pull your water bait out of the water. And there's a muskie. Like I was ready to eat, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the way it always goes? <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah, especially I, I fish a lot of fish, a lot of dark, dirty water. And sometimes you just never know. There could have been a muskie five feet behind your bait. You just didn't see it. And I've had fish come up and eat both side that I had absolutely no idea that they were there, but I was figure eighting out of habit. And it's very rare nowadays that I even target another species besides muskies. Maybe when the water gets really hot in the dog days of summer, I'll go out and do some catfishing or whatever. But typically, even if I was to target another species, I think if I was throwing a bass rod at this point, I'd still figure eight <laughs> just because <laughs> now I've forced myself to have that habit which is a good habit to have. And we should all have that habit as musky fishermen. You're really going to kick yourself later if you lose a fish simply because you didn't figure eight at the boat or even at the shore or even in your kayak or whatever you're fishing out of. There's, there's always mm -hmm. that slight chance that they might be there. So stay focused. It's, it's easy to lose <laughs> focus, but try and try and try to keep it together. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to jump out of tactic talk here for a second, just to touch base on your story again. Um, I just wanted to bring to attention. I, I don't, I'm primarily musky fish. Everybody knows me as a musky fishing guy. I do fish to a lot of other species, but my, my love is muskies. <clears throat> the one thing I noticed about the musky community and you can, you can attest this, that, that fisherman's code, you said the guy helped you with the fish, brought your boat on shore. I feel like, and I'll probably get some hate for saying this, but musky guys, they're usually, you know, 
pretty tight. They, everybody's kind of got each other's backs. And I think that's one of the coolest things when it comes to, to fishing in, in general is just the fishermen in general have each other's back. Like you said, the, the common denominator between everything is fishing. And you got one topic, you know, and I think that's, that's a super cool. It's cool that you had that, that aspect of it in your story too. Yeah. You know, I, I would say there's, okay. To the old saying, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Uh, There's not a lot of us musky guys per se in comparison to other species. Uh, Musky fishing is kind of a a niche thing. Um, Like I said, you have to be, a glutton for punishment to do it. And the few of us that do do it, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Like there's mitt picking and pissing and moaning and musky fishing, just like there is in every other species of fishing. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's almost like a dysfunctional family that tries to, you know, we figure it out and then we do function. It's like, we all get a little bit of fish envy sometimes where we see somebody else's fish and we're like, mother you know (laughs) but (laughs) but at the same time you're like right on dude i'm happy as hell for you that's awesome i i'm you know you you want to it's like you're sometimes you feel like you're shaking their hand while they're you're pissing on their leg type of thing but um (laughs) you know at the end of the day it's it's kind of a family we all help each other out um you know we're we're kind of fiercely secretive about things but understandably so uh, we have to be because we're trying to preserve what we've worked so hard to maintain. Uh, with that said, though, another thing that I will say is that us as musky fishermen sometimes need to be more receptive to having conversation about, um, you know, maybe allowing ourselves to give a little information away to help out the future anglers. Um, you know, there's nothing cooler than seeing somebody catch their first musky or seeing a kid catch a, a nice big fish, you know, we're, we're fiercely independent. And we like to keep our secrets secrets, but we also have to be willing to help out other anglers. If we want to keep this sport alive, we have to be receptive to giving away a little bit of knowledge and helping some people out. Um, you know, I would like to be one of very few musky anglers out there and I could go out and fish waters and catch muskies all the time for myself. But at the end of the day, uh, we need organizations, fishing clubs, um, clubs like Muskies Inc. or Muskies Club, Muskie Club of Wisconsin, or a couple of, there's plenty of them out there. But those clubs all raise the funding to help stocking and some of these southern bodies of water that we fish where natural reproduction is pretty limited. Um, there's a lot of bodies of water the DNR doesn't even recognize as muskie fisheries because unless the DNR themselves have done a fishery study or they have stocked those bodies of water, they oftentimes don't even recognize it as a musky fishery. So just because you go on the DNR's website and you look up a body of water and it says, you know, common fish, pike, bass, walleye, bluegills, you know, panfish, whatever, that doesn't mean there's not muskies there. To touch back to what I was saying earlier, Look at the tributaries. If a lake that's not recognized as a musky fishery has a tributary that connects to a body of water that is a recognized musky fishery, by all means, there may be some muskies in that body of water. Yep. So be be willing to try something different. I mean, 
it's pretty cool when you go out and you catch a muskie in a body of water that quote unquote doesn't have muskies. I've done it a lot over the years. A lot, a lot of the fish that I've caught in bodies of water that aren't even rec recognized as musky fisheries. So, you know, I guess the moral of the story is, you know, keep an open mind. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, you might catch some nice pike. You might catch a nice bass. You might catch something. Or at the end of the day, you learn something new. It doesn't even matter if you caught anything or not. And us as musky fishermen, sometimes we get caught up in the fact that, oh, man, I just want to catch a really big fish. That's cool, and I understand that. But to me, some of my favorite fish that I've caught are fish that aren't that big, but it's the body of water I caught them out of. It's the uh -huh. story of how I got there. It's the exploration, the adventure that I put into it to find that fish, even if it was a 30-inch fish. You know, and if it wasn't a big fish, at least I know now that there's muskies in that body of water. So it's not, it's not always about how big the fish is. It's the story that backs the fish more than it is the fish sometimes. So always be, uh, be willing to explore, man. I can't, I can't preach it enough. I've probably said it 10 times already. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good though, man. That's, that's, you know, I, I'm on the same page. I mean, you can just somebody, uh, you know, a young kid, a first time musky fisherman wants to learn about musky fishing. That doesn't mean you have to give them, oh yeah, you'll catch one if you cast at this exact spot. You know, you're not giving them GPS coordinates. You, you know, right. you can just tell them, hey, early season, throw smaller baits. Middle season, look for weed edges. You know, you can just, you can give them, they, they want to learn anything they can. That doesn't mean they want to be given a free fish. Not that muskies are easy to give away, but they want to learn tactics. And I think that's cool that, you know, we're, we're like you said, teaching the younger generation because this could all be gone if nobody wants a muskie fish anymore, you know? Exactly. It, and you know what? I mean, at one point when I first started muskie fishing, I had some really nice guys give me some tips on what to do. You know, they wouldn't, you know, you don't give away the spots per se, but you do say, hey, maybe you might want to try this color on this this stain of water or maybe you know maybe you should try you know looking at where the fish migrate throughout the course of the year maybe you can pick the brains of the guys that work at the tackle shop maybe you know there's a lot of options out there without giving away the farm you know like you can help people out give them some tips mm -hmm. you don't have to give them everything and i certainly won't <laughs> i'm not giving away everything <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I am, I am willing to help. I, I'm just not going to tell you where I am. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's crazy is when, when we started musky fishing, I feel like to get a musky caught on film was unheard of, let alone have, you know, all this musky information readily available at our fingertips. When we started, when I started musky fishing with you, we did all that in a day. Like if we didn't catch anything, we knew where not to go the next day. You know, it's it's yep. crazy how like technology has brought a lot more information to the table, but nothing beats boots on the ground, or in this case, boats in the water. You just gotta yep. get out there and, like you said, be prepared to fail, accept the failure, and learn from it. Yeah, man. I mean, technology is a blessing and a curse in so many ways. Um, but you know, it's been many years now since I started musky fishing. And when we started, we used to go out with paper maps 
to figure out where the contour lines were looking at, you know, old school topography maps and trying to figure this stuff out on our own with basic no electronics shit. When we first started fishing together, I didn't even have a trolling motor. And I had that 1972 Johnson Seahorse that took a shit every time we went fishing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the story that motor could tell. <laughs> but you know that that's kind of what makes our story uh, a bit more unique and you know think about the generations before us even those guys i mean they were the the true innovators that went out there and the guys that started throwing bigger baits and trying different things and using pool cue rods you know like geez i mean looking back at on the guys from the 40s 50s that were using steel rods and I mean, that stuff was innovative at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's technology has come a long, long way. But at the same time, technology can distract people from actually fishing. So I've listened to some of your podcasts earlier where you've had some guests and you guys have talked about how sometimes people focus too much on their electronics and they're not actually focusing on the fishing aspect. You know, it's not. You can't just sit there all day, every day, staring at down imaging, side imaging, at live scope, all the new technologies. Sometimes you just got to fish it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. You can't just focus or get yourself too caught up in that technology because then you're not actually casting. You're spending more time staring at a screen than you are actually tossing your bait out there and trying to figure something out. Because although that technology is pretty awesome and it's pretty, you know, state-of-the-art stuff and don't get me wrong. I've I've looked at it and I said, "Wow, that's pretty amazing." But at the same time, there's bodies of water that I fish that that those electronics would be useless on. It just wouldn't even be practical. Um, so, you know, it's not all about the the new school technology. It is more so about just getting getting new guys involved, kind of showing them the ropes, giving them the opportunity to learn something. Just say, hey, this is the rod you might want. This is the reel you might want. You might want to use heavier test. Hey, you should probably put a leader on there. You know, you should maybe try this spot or that spot. But again, don't give away the farm. Just, uh, just be willing to help people out. Don't, don't be, don't be a prick about it. You know, like there's plenty of people out there that want to get into this, and we need them. We need the future to get into this sport. We want to keep it alive. We need to keep it going. So. Be willing to help people out. That's the moral of that story. <laughs> no, it's it's very well said. And you actually almost segued into my next question is, what are you, uh, you kind of touched on, if somebody comes up to you and be like, hey, Mike, I want to get into musky fishing. What are what are some of the, the needed gear? And what are some of like, what, what you actually need to get started? Not necessarily the $60, $70 baits. What would you recommend to a, somebody who hasn't done it before to, uh, to buy to get into musky fishing i would say truthfully because i made this mistake when i first started getting into musky fishing i had no idea i really didn't have a helping hand kind of showing me the ropes there's a couple guys that kind of helped me out every once in a while but when i got into musky fishing i, was, I had no i was like i don't know what this bait looks cool that one looks cool I don't know what that one does. I'll try it. You know, like you're, you're just kind of like, you're, you're a blank slate. You're just like absorbing so much information at once. 
but it's all specific to the bodies of water that you're going to fish. Where are you fishing? What are you, are you going to be out in a boat? Are you going to be fishing from shore? You know, like, are you going to, you know, are you going to troll? Are you going to cast? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? So there's, there's a lot of different ways to approach that question, but typically what I would say, especially to somebody that wants to get into the sport that maybe doesn't have the opportunity to fish out of a boat or doesn't have a big budget or things like that, I'd say, truthfully, you need, first of all, invest in a good rod. Don't, don't go cheap on your rod and reel, because if you're going to commit to this sport, few months down the road, you're going to regret buying something cheap and crappy. And then you're going to be investing more and more money into buying something a bit better. Now, that doesn't mean that you should buy something top of the line right off the bat. But what I'm saying is buy yourself something kind of middle of the road. You know, keep keep your budget within, you know, truthfully, you could probably buy a decent musky rod and a decent musky reel for a couple hundred bucks now, uh, which sounds like a lot of money. But when we look at the grand scheme of some of this stuff, like some of the rods and reels that I'm using now, those combinations are a thousand dollars. So mm -hmm. I would say get yourself like, especially a beginner, maybe get yourself a seven, eight foot rod and maybe get something a bit heavier action like don't be afraid to buy a heavy action rod um just because you never know what you're going to throw with it as your skills progress it doesn't hurt more is better especially in musky fishing fishing we're not talking about sensitivity here like musky fishing isn't really about sensitivity it's like you either got one or you don't type of thing mm -hmm. so i would say go out and get yourself maybe uh seven foot seven six eight foot maybe heavy action i mean you could buy yourself a, a cabela's rod you can buy yourself i would say gander mountain but that's not around anymore that's what <laughs> that's what i that's what i started with was a gander mountain rod um and then you know you could start with a traditional round reel that's what i started with uh abu garcia ambassador that's what i started fishing and it worked fine for years uh, mm -hmm. And then maybe progress into some of those lower profile reels. There's there's some companies out there now that are making low profile, you know, 300, 400 class bait casters that are pretty decent reels for, you know, 100 bucks. And um, make sure you, again, have, give yourself some heavy braided line. It's, it's okay to start with, you get yourself 80 pound braid because you mm -hmm. don't want to lose your first fish ever over something like, not having heavy enough line or buying a cheap, you know, cheap leader, buy yourself a decent leader. You know, I would say, I would recommend at least 80 to hundred pound fluorocarbon, maybe uh, even a steel leader, you know, again, 80, 80 pounds steel leader. Um, and really just uh, invest in the basics, get yourself, I would say, as far as lures are concerned, I would say probably five baits. You could probably start with five baits. Get yourself a, just a jerk bait, like a, a Jake or a grandma, and then get yourself a bucktail. You can't go wrong with a Max Muskie Killer. That's 
been a, a bait that I've used my whole life that works awesome for all species. And it, it's just timeless. It, it's been working for years. Get yourself, uh, get yourself a diving rise bait, like a suet, you know, like you can't go wrong with a suet and maybe pick yourself up. Like, uh, you don't have to get a big giant rubber bait, but maybe like a regular bulldog would be a good starter rubber bait and really just a jerk bait, a glide bait, a bucktail, a rubber bait. And then for number five, just throw some oddball in there. You know, top water. <laughs> get yourself a top. Get yourself a top water bait. That would be number five. And you don't have don't don't buy yourself big baits. Now it depends on where you fish. If you're fishing in Wisconsin, a lot of our waters are relatively small, so you don't have to throw giant baits in Wisconsin to catch big fish. I mean, my buddy Dan caught that forty-six the other day on a small little wake bait, probably about a four inch bait, especially in the springtime, you don't need big stuff. You know, bass guys, walleye guys, they oftentimes catch bigger muskies in the springtime than the muskie guys do. I see mm -hmm. it on Green Bay all the time. You know, especially the walleye guys during the walleye runs, they're out there catching, you know, 50 inch muskies on little flicker shads. So, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, be a, don't feel like you need to buy big baits to catch big fish. Think about the body of water you're fishing, small tributary rivers, small lakes. Wisconsin has a ton of water, but most of our water is small in comparison to like Minnesota. Minnesota's got lesser bodies of water. They got lesser musky lakes, but their lakes are much, much bigger and their forage base is way bigger. So mm -hmm. in Wisconsin, don't be afraid to throw small baits. Just be prepared with your smaller baits with the proper gear to back that bait. So a good leader good line decent reel decent rod there's a lot of budget friendly things out there that we can make it happen heck i would i would be more than happy to help somebody out and just say hey i've taken people out fishing before that haven't musky fished i said here here's a handful of baits keep them because i want you to put them to use i want you to have success with that take the knowledge that i've given you and run with it use this stuff and apply it to what you're gonna fish use the advice that i've given you and you'll figure it out man you'll figure it out <laughs> it's just a matter of time you just have to be committed that's it that's it just work for it just like anything else in life just be willing to work for it and if you fail so what you know what's the worst thing that happens you get back on your horse and you try it again it's not a big deal just keep keep working at it not mm -hmm. not the end of the world if you don't catch one I, can I add one thing to your list of necessities for the sure. beginner? You, you got to have either a solid side cutter or a longer set of needle nose pliers. Because that's, oh, that's another we, we didn't even talk tools. Yes, I'm sorry. I forgot to touch on that. Nope, that's, a, that's one of the overlooked things, though. That Because once you hook a fish and you get it in, you know, try, you're not going to reach your hand in there and try to pop out a hook in a muskie's mouth. No, not especially if you haven't done it before. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm sorry I missed that. Um, yeah, of course. Like, get yourself a decent net. Get yourself <laughs> a nice long nose pliers. You know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It just has to be a long needle nose pliers. 
so that if a fish gets hooked deep, you're not putting your hand in there with short pliers. Obviously, too, a good pair of hook cutters. All you need is a bolt cutter. doesn't have to be top of the line. I use Nipex. Nipex are the best by far. Uh, I've cut hundreds of hooks with a Nipex, and those things are still sharp. Um, But they can get pricey. But you can just go to the hardware store, go to Menards, and buy yourself a cheap bolt cutter. I mean, that works just fine. Uh, Small. We're not... we're not talking about like the six footers. You don't need one no, of those. We're, we're like a little handheld one. <laughs> like the like the twelve inch ones. Not not like those giant, you know, two two foot long ones. It'll break into but, a yeah. tank. <laughs> Pliers, hook cutters, uh, a decent net. It doesn't have to be top of the line. Get yourself at least a net that can hold a muskie. You know, get yourself a first aid kit because you never know when you're going to get nicked. It happens all the time. It happened to my buddy Dan the other day, and he was bleeding like a sieve. This fish started thrashing around, got him good on the knuckle, and he was just bleeding all over the place. I think his adrenaline was through the roof, too, so that probably didn't help. Um, But, yes, first aid kit, pliers, hook cutters, decent net. And um, I will also say... As far as fish handling is concerned, because we should probably talk about that. When you do catch a fish, do not vertically hold a muskie. They're not a bass. They're heavy. Their internal organs are not intended to be vertical. They're meant to be held horizontally. So try to keep the fish horizontal. Obviously, when you're pulling it out of the net, it's going to be vertical for a split second. But try to keep the fish horizontal for a picture also try to limit the amount of time that that fish is out of the water um don't put the fish on the ground if you don't have to try to avoid by all means putting that fish in dirt or gravel or anything like that if you're fishing from the shore that's where a good net comes in handy keep the fish in the net until you're ready to take it out for a picture um just try to limit the amount of time the fish is out of the water in the amount of handling time and keep that fish horizontal. Uh, it's for your safety. It's for the fish's safety and never hold the fish with a lure in its mouth. It may seem cool. So you can get a picture of the fish with the lure in its mouth. You've probably seen it on the internet before guys holding a big fish. That's because they're pushing sponsorships. They want that bait to be visible, but don't do that because if that fish starts kicking and thrashing, you're going to be on the tail end of a really heavy fish with a big treble sticking in your hand. And trust me, you don't want to be there. That's a bad place to be. Um, thankfully, I haven't had it happen to me with a muskie, but I got a little ballsy and I held a pike one time with a bait in its mouth and it thrashed around and fell out of my hand. And I had a bucktail uh, in my hand and a fish hanging underneath it. So when that fish is thrashing around, it's just driving deeper and deeper in your in your flesh. So. Again, be conscious of how you're handling fish uh, for your safety, for the fish's safety. Uh, we preach catch and release with muskie fishing. We're trying to maintain the resource. We're trying to put those fish back so that future anglers can catch those fish again. Uh, let them go, let them grow mentality. That's an in-fisherman thing I learned 20 years ago, watching Al Linder on you know, whatever PBS or whatever it was back in the day. <laughs> but let them go, let them grow. Let, let somebody else enjoy that opportunity. There's not a lot of muskies, uh, especially in the southern region of the state. So, you know, give another angler an opportunity. There's plenty of 
plenty of other ways to, you know, nowadays we can get reproduction mounts and things like that. We don't need to keep fish anymore. We let them go, send them back, have a good, you know, a good high five with your buddy. We got, we all have cell phones with cameras now. It's, we can limit the amount of time that we, we stress these fish. And I know it sounds ridiculous because other anglers will probably be like, oh man, these musky guys, they go out there and they work for 15 hours to catch a fish. And then as soon as they catch one, their, their first response is to immediately put it back in the water, which I get. It's, it sounds, but that, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. But to me, that's the ultimate level of respect. It's like good battle. I got you this time. You go back yeah. and we'll, we'll, we'll do it again one day, you know? Yeah. And I thought it was really funny when my buddy Dan caught that fish the other day and he got, you got his knuckle thrashed on. And I said, Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Dan. You know, we got to respect them. We put ho- you put hooks in his face. He put a gash in your finger. I think that's pretty fair. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I will. I'm going to add one more thing to your list, and people overthink it. Not talking about musky. Musky's mouths are all bone. You, you need to you need to sharpen your hooks too. I mean, that's that's a cheap investment. Every time you nick bottom, you do something. Sharpen those hooks because you don't get a lot of hooks at chances. But just realize, you know, you got to keep them sharp to stick a fish. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I sharpen my hooks pretty religiously. Even after I catch a fish, first thing I do is sharpen the hooks on that bait. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. You're really, you're really on top of things tonight, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. I try to be. But No, you're absolutely right. Uh, a file flat file um you can't sharpen your hooks enough i i can't stress that enough and i'm glad you brought that up because there we we run these baits into a lot of things we're bumping off of rocks we're bumping off of stumps and you know the convenience of musky fishing is that we have strong tackle and sometimes we can rip through those things but we don't always think about well, geez, that was just buried into a piece of driftwood. Maybe I should sharpen those hooks. <laughs> you know, you just want to get back to casting and then you lose a fish because you had dulled hooks. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Keep your hook sharp always. And when you catch a fish, remember, like you said, you're, you drove that into a bony jaw full of teeth. Sharpen those hooks even after you catch that fish. I know you want to get back to it, keep fishing, catch another one, but you'll regret it when you lose one. And I've been there and I've done it and I've dulled hooks, especially on river river fishing, driving baits in the rocks. And you just want to keep casting. You don't want to stop and sharpen hooks all the time, but you'll be thankful you did when you do it. That's for sure. Good call, Matt. <laughs> just trying to, trying to lead the plane here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Good job. Um, I- I will say we're coming up on that hour mark, so I'm going to bring this plane in for a little bit of a landing, but I do have one last question for you before we leave. Yep. And I didn't tell you about this one beforehand, so I'll catch you by surprise. What's what's your most okayest fishing moment? You know, something that gave you a good laugh, you know, something, <laughs> you know, just, just the most okay fishing moment, one that pops into your head. Oh, God, there's so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> I would say actually... The most recent one, uh, and maybe maybe some of your listeners that are musky fishermen may tune into Keys Outdoors, um, but this past season fishing with Mike Keys and Sean 
Josephson. We were fishing a little little tiny tributary river and fish up north. And um, we were so gung-ho about fishing that we got out on the water. We were fishing for a couple hours. It had rained heavy the night before. And we kept hearing the bilge pump ticking. And we're like, man, it must have really rained hard last night. I mean, holy cow, that thing is that thing's really running. And we're fishing for a couple hours. And and Mike goes, Yeah, I don't I don't know if this thing should still be running this much. This something doesn't seem right here. <laughs> and so yeah, it was a little iffy. Uh maybe when we go back for lunch, we should maybe check and make sure the plug's in the boat. So this is where this is what you don't see in the episode, by the way. There's there's more to this story than what than what you may have seen on Keys Outdoors. So we go back to the boat launch. Sure enough, the plug's not in the boat. And I have to piss like a horse race. And Mike, Mike, he's like, he drank 10 cups of coffee. He's like, I, I gotta go. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm peeing. <laughs> I'm peeing. He's he's you know, seeing a man about a horse, and uh, and Sean is a hell of a of a photographer and an awesome artist, and he's out there shooting bee footage and doing a bunch of cool nature shots. So I get done. I get done taking a leak. Mike gets out of the out of the outhouse, and uh, we get back in the boat. So we go back out fishing, fishing again for a couple of hours. Again, bilge pump starts kicking in. And we're like, man, I know we left the plug out, but geez, that thing is, there must have been a lot of water in the, in the hull. That thing's still running. Well, about three hours later, that thing's still running. Now we have to have this conversation for a second time. Mike goes, Sean, did you put the plug in when we went back to put the plug in? And Sean goes, no, I was shooting B footage. And I go, no, I was taking a leak. And Mike goes, no, I was in the shitter. <laughs> and we're like, are you serious, dude? <clears throat> we went back to the boat launch to put the plug in that we forgot to put in. And then we forgot to put it in for a second time so <laughs> at that point sean had to go swimming to go get the plug and put it back into the boat but i will say that uh the bilge pump on that boat like mike said on the show i can't believe we didn't sink because if that was my boat we would have sunk in the first five minutes of fishing i mean that water would have been a foot deep in the boat the second i launched it but I will say that's one of the most okayest moments when you're trying to be the most professional you possibly can to film a TV show. <laughs> and we're out there with like a $90,000 boat and all this really nice camera equipment and, uh, you know, awesome fishing gear and just all this top of the line stuff. And here we are, three guys that couldn't put our minds together to put the plug in the boat for the second time in the same day. <laughs> so I will say as far as most recent memory is concerned, that's probably one of the most okayest moments ever. 
So <laughs> I will say this. If you ever feel like a dummy when you do something stupid, just remember that we've all been there and we've all done plenty of stupid stuff. <laughs> and I can't even begin to tell you the rest of the stories. I mean, we could have a whole podcast just on the amount of dumb stuff I've done when I've out when I've been out fishing, just the things I forgot, you know, like forgetting the oil to mix. I got an old school, you know, two cycle boat and the, just the forgetting the oil and putting gas in this when it shouldn't be in there and blah, blah, blah. Or going out there hitting rocks, hitting stumps, or you and I with that old Johnson seahorse. Every time we go fishing, it was like a curse. The thing didn't want to start. And it's just, it, the list could go on and on and on. I mean, just so you know, everybody that's listening, it's okay to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is, I say, that is the perfect note to end on. I mean, it's okay yeah. to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't always have to be on top of your game at the end of the day you know we're just a bunch of fishermen we're just trying to have a good time catch some fish but sometimes we're just a bunch of dummies too so <laughs> it's okay <laughs> to be okay <laughs> um mike if anybody wants to reach out or follow you uh how can they get in touch with you you don't got to give out your phone number or your address uh yeah on social media stuff like that sure um yeah just uh Look me up on Facebook, uh, Mike Malaszewski. I know it's a uh, it's a it's a wild Polish name, but you know, just put in Mike and M A L A, and maybe I'll pop up. You'll you'll probably see it. But um, yeah, hit me up on there or or on Facebook Messenger, or uh, you can give me a call. My phone number's on on my Facebook page. So feel free to reach out to me anytime, man. I love meeting new people. I love talking muskies. I love fishing and you know what i'll be more than happy to help you out and give you some advice or you know if you want to go fishing let's go fishing I'll, I'll make the best of fishing with anybody i have fun with everyone so there you go well perfect thanks mike and uh yeah we'll end it on i like that it's it's okay to be okay um <laughs>